0: You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. You have your Bibles. Let me encourage you to open them to the book of Lamentations chapter 3 that is a book in the Bible I promise and if you don't believe me it should be in the table of contents Lamentations chapter 3 is where we will be this morning my name is Tyler Holder and I'm our pastor of adult and college ministry and I'm excited to be walking with you today through Lamentations chapter 3 now I want to give you some insight into my family because I don't feel like I'd ever do that enough (laughs) how many of you have high hopes when you plan family vacations I'm the only one. Okay, three of us, praise the Lord. Every time we plan a family vacation, I always have such high hopes. In fact, we've created a hashtag that goes with our family vacations and I'll tell you why here in a moment. Now, about a year ago, we planned our first trip to Indianapolis. Now we just moved here to Indiana, never been to Indianapolis, so we packed the kids up and drive down and the first stop is obviously the children's museum. So I have a young child and here's the issue with my children, they just really like sand. So we spent all that money and all that time just in the little sandbox area and about 25, 30 minutes in, I realized, I could have done this at home for free. Why didn't I drive to Indianapolis to do this? So then we pack up and we go to our hotel. Being the frugal people that we are, we named our own price, and we got a great price on a great hotel. Um, but with that came the National Optometrist Convention that was in town. <laughs> We're not optometrists, and it was a super nice hotel. We didn't pay full price. So we're immediately standing out like sore thumbs when we walk in we're not doctors don't got a lab coat on no idea what happens with the eyes so immediately just that was an awkward situation for us we get to our hotel and we get ready for bed and as we're in bed sleeping a few hours in this awesome thing happened with my kids i pray it happens to you on your next family vacation they both got sick and just everywhere just in the entire room. So about 1230 in the morning, we're calling housekeeping. Hey, could you come up and just clean our room for us? That'd be great, thanks. So they get there, clean it all up. And then the next day happens and we go to downtown Indianapolis, spend some time there. And about an hour into that trip, I start to get sick. So I end up passed out of sleep in the children's section of of the library in downtown Indy. I'm surprised I didn't get kicked out. And at that point, Janelle and I look at each other and we say, this is a hashtag holder life trip. Everything has gone wrong. Nothing else could happen to us. Could we just go home? Praise the Lord, babe, been waiting for you to say that. Yes, we can go home. On the way out, let's stop and get something to eat. Let's redeem this trip. We had such high hopes. So we stop and we get something to eat and Janelle orders a salad and this awesome thing had happened the night before, they froze all the lettuce, they forgot to thaw it. So as Janelle is biting into her salad, she's getting ice with her iceberg lettuce and she's looking at me, she's like, this is horrible. Can we just leave? Yes, babe, let's go, let's get out of here. So we have hashtag Hold Our Life moments. We have such high hopes for things that we plan, such high hopes for what we're going to do and I'd love to be invited on your next vacation and ruin it if you would <laughs> want us to. So today in Lamentations chapter three, what we'll see is we'll see a hope that isn't dependent on situations or circumstances. We'll see a hope that can't be thwarted by a hashtag holder life moment. And as you've made your way to Lamentations chapter three, we need to understand a few essential components of the book of Lamentations in order for us to get what God would have us have from Lamentations three this morning. Lamentations is an amazing book in the Old Testament, an amazing book in the Bible, and it has been said that it's the most painful book in the entire Bible. In Lamentations, it's written after the siege and destruction of Jerusalem and its people. And Jeremiah the prophet, who had spent the last 40 years prophesying in Jerusalem, is standing amidst the ashes, standing amidst the destruction, and his soul is lamenting. He's in anguish. He's hurting because of what he's seeing. For about 800 years, the people of Jerusalem had been told that they should come back to the Lord, that the Lord would, in fact, destroy Jerusalem, but they had rejected God time and time again. And as we work through the five chapters in Lamentations, what we'll see, we're not working through all five today, but what you'll see is three key things that we can take from Lamentations besides hope the first thing is simply this, is that we should never take God's past blessing as assurance that they will continue when we continue in sin. We should never take God's past blessing as assurance that they'll continue when we continue in sin. The second thing is this, is that God fulfills his word always. He will always fulfill his word. There's nothing that he has said that he won't see through to completion. And finally, that the only satisfactory way to deal with suffering to deal with pain, to deal with anguish is through a deep and abiding faith in God in spite of our circumstances. And when I say hope this morning, chances are there's as many definitions of hope as there are people in the room. So in order for us all to be on the same page, I'd love to define hope for you today. And hope is simply this, confident expectation. Confident expectation. Hope is the confidence in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. Hope isn't just a wavering feeling, it's more than a feeling. Hope is a fact that we have rooted in the remembrance and activity of who God is. unless we forget What we'll see in Lamentations chapter three is a man's heart that has endured pain, that has endured loss, that has endured suffering. Oftentimes we could read into the Bible our own situation, our own circumstances, or just assume that Jeremiah is a prophet of God so clearly his life was easy. And what we'll see here in a moment in the first 18 verses of Lamentations chapter three is that Jeremiah's life was all but easy. It was filled with sorrow. It was filled with torment, so much so that he's called the weeping prophet. So in Lamentations chapter 3, in order for us to grasp hope, to see the hope that we have given to us through the power of the gospel and in God's word, we need to first understand what hopelessness looks like. Lamentations chapter 3, I'll read the first 18 verses. caveat here, there is no hope in these verses. Lamentations chapter 3, I'll read the first 18 verses. It says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as the target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. In order for you and I to understand what hope is, we need to first see what hopelessness is in our lives and realize that what we're about to see in Lamentations chapter three is a man who's speaking out of the overflow of his heart It's not a man who's just been resting in daffodils and daisies his whole life, but a man who was intimately aware of what it meant to suffer and to bear the burden and to be crushed. And this morning, could it be that you resonate more with Jeremiah in Lamentations 3 than you do with anybody else in Scripture? Could it be that you've come here this morning and you've seen and experienced affliction under the rod of his wrath? That you're bitter and full of tribulation, that you feel trapped and enslaved like no one is listening to your cries for help. You're yelling, you're pleading, you're petitioning, but it just is hitting walls and coming back. Could it be that you've forgotten what happiness is? that you're ridiculed, mocked, and made a laughingstock of your peers, your family, your friends, and your coworkers? Could you be unsettled? And is your soul bereft, deprived, and lacking of peace? Here's what I know. I'm looking at men and women who have burdens that are upon their hearts. And there are people here today that would say they're crushed because of what they're going through there's hope for you, there's hope for you. There's a confident expectation that what God has done he will continue to do, that we can place our faith and hope and trust that in Christ we can be sustained. But you should be asking the question as you often do each and every week, well, where's the hope? Where's the hope? Look at verse 21 of Lamentations 3. Notice what Jeremiah says here. He has just listed this offense. His hope is gone. He is vanquished. His soul is bereft. By the way, great word. You should use it this week. Bereft of peace. He is bearing down under the weight of this burden. And look what he says in verse 21. But this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. You should pump the brakes and ask a simple question. What in the world just happened? How in the world... Can you say you have hope, yo? You just told me everything that was wrong. Here's how he has hope. But this I call to mind. His suffering, his affliction, his destruction, the mess that is around Jeremiah in the midst of despair, he remembers the Lord. And his suffering isn't diminished, but it's transformed when he calls to mind what God has done. And this morning, before we can even understand or examine the hope that's in the life of a believer, we need to first ask a simple question. Can you call to mind what God has done? Can you reflect back and say, that was the moment, this was the day, this was the instance that God transformed my heart? Because hope can't transform us if our heart is against God. It begins with an understanding that Christ is the one who bore the burden of God's wrath. Christ is the one who was crushed. Christ is the one whom God poured his wrath upon. Christ is the one that could say he was bereft of peace. He didn't know what happiness was. Christ is the one who was made a laughing stock, a mockery because our sins were placed upon him. And for you and I to experience hope, we need to first experience the transformative relationship through Christ otherwise no matter how much hope we may have it is but a fleeting thought or feeling that is dependent upon you and I got news you change a bunch but the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of God's word is that the hope that's offered through Christ is a hope that is steadfast and unfailing So this morning, before we get into five key statements of how we can have hope, we need to first see and understand, have you been transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sins, recognizing that God is holy and that you are sinful, that Christ is your redeemer and that God poured his wrath upon him so that you might have eternal life if you repent and believe? If so there's hope for you that is everlasting. If not, then my hope for you today is that you would begin your history with God by repenting and placing your faith and trust in him alone. With that, we get into the first of five key statements that we see here in Lamentations 3. The first is simply this. I can have hope that God's mercies are new daily. Look at verses 22 and 23 of Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So because of the memory, because of Jeremiah's recollection of what God has done, he is able to say here in verses 22 and 23 that God's steadfast, literally, his covenant loyal love that's not dependent on you, it's not dependent on me, it's dependent on God and God alone, his covenant love never ceases. And his mercies are new each and every morning. How in the world can that be? That can be simply because He does it, and you don't. There's nothing that you can do to increase or diminish God's steadfast love for his people. There's nothing that you can do to increase or diminish the fact that every morning there's new mercies. And the truth is, is that the love that we have for others, the love that we have for stuff, it will cease, it will fail, and because of that, so many of us are unable to comprehend the truth that not only will his mercies be new daily, but that his love, his steadfast love will never cease. And today we just need to pause for a moment and let that sink in. Because the fact is that you've experienced hurt, you've experienced pain, you've been slighted. The fact is that you know yourself better than anybody does. And you're thinking to yourself, some of you are. How in the world could God love and care for me? Doesn't he know who I am? Or how in the world could love be ceaseless? I have been hurt so many times. Let God's word penetrate your heart today. You can have hope. You can have hope because his mercies are new daily and he has a steadfast, unending, covenantal love for you if you are a child of God. Not only that, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Notice, great is your faithfulness. God's mercies, just like his love, aren't dependent upon us, and his mercies that he provides daily are sufficient for the day's worries. Catch this. You're going to be burdened today. I don't know if you knew that. I know it's early, kind of. You're the late crowd, so it's late, kind of. But here's the deal. You're going to be burdened today. In fact, some of you are carrying burdens that you've carried for months, that you've carried for years, that you've carried for familial generation after generation after generation. You will have burdens today, but catch this. His mercies are new today so that you can handle today's burdens. His mercies for today aren't for tomorrow. If they were, then it wouldn't say His mercies are new every morning. His mercies for today aren't for yesterday's hurt. His mercies are new every morning morning so you should be asking the question how then do i discern or grasp these mercies david zulger a pastor of sojourners church in albert lee minnesota made this statement and i think it is beautiful with regards to his new morning mercies he said this we cannot rely on yesterday's mercies for today's burdens go to jesus afresh each day Go to the word of God in prayer each day and ask him to help you see wonders and promises that make your heart sing. Do you know where God's new morning mercies are found? In his everlasting word. Have you been there today? Have you been there this week? Or is the burden that you're carrying crushing you so much that you've neglected to even consider what God would say? You can have hope, that hope's found in his word. The second key statement that we see here in Lamentations chapter three is simply this, is that I can have hope that God is my portion. Look at verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The word portion here is a word that describes something that belongs to somebody. It's a clinging to. The idea is is that for Jeremiah, the thing that he clung to, the thing that he needed most was the Lord. And because of that, he has hope. His portion, what sustained him, what gave him life, what gave him breath was the Lord. And in my life, so often, my portion that I cling to isn't the Lord. I've clung to things like family and friends, jobs, personality. And when things go bad, I find myself wanting something deeper and greater. Can I ask you, what is your portion today? Are you seeking to find hope in things that won't satisfy you? Are you seeking to find hope in things that are temporary? Are you seeking to find hope in things that are shifting and will change? Here in Lamentations chapter three, what we see is, is as the Lord is your portion, the one that you cling to, you will have as a result hope in him. That God would give you such a passion and desire to pursue him, to grasp a hold of him to have excitement and anticipation. The idea behind the Lord is my portion is that God is actively doing something. So Jeremiah's already reflected back on who God is. And now here in verse 24, we're seeing that he's looking at what God is doing and that's what he's grasping onto with excitement and anticipation. And for you and I this morning, we need to ask the simple question, do we see what God is doing in our lives today? And not only are his mercies new, not only is his steadfast, loyal covenant and love for us never ceasing, but do we see and recognize that he is active and present today with us? We can have hope that God is my portion. The third aspect of hope is simply this. I can have hope that God is good. Look at verses 25 through 27. The Lord is good, To those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. We we see three specific areas of God's goodness here in these verses. The verse is found in verse 25. Notice this: the Lord is good to those who wait for him, literally, to those who have full hope in him to the soul who seeks him. The idea behind seeks him, by the way, is an earnest pursuit of an encounter with God that involves petitions. We would call it prayer. And in my life, a few years ago, Janelle and I had a season when we needed to earnestly pursue the Lord. She was sick, she was hurting, we had exhausted all our resources. By the way, men, some problems aren't meant for you to solve. I had learned that the hard way i had exhausted all of my efforts, all of my resources. Janelle was sick and she was hurting. Each day was torment, was torment. And I can remember one specific night where she sat on the floor in our living room. Our kids, praise the Lord, were sleeping. And I sat on our couch and I opened up the Bible and I read through some Psalms. We prayed together. I laid my hands on my wife, seeking the Lord, earnestly seeking him, petitioning him. Petitioning him to heal and restore my wife. Petitioning him to bring back joy and happiness. To petitioning him to to just answer our cries. And in that moment, let me tell you what happened. Janelle wasn't radically healed. She didn't wake up the next day, totally fine. But in that moment, our souls found peace. Sometimes. Sometimes our pursuit, our prayers will leave us frustrated but let me ask is that where you should remain should you remain frustrated that that the lord isn't answering what you want have you become embittered and stopped seeking the lord you can have hope that god is good and that hope must drive you to seeking him all the more faithfully Frustration, pain, and suffering will either embitter you or endear you to the Savior. What has it done for you? For me, the temptation was to get bitter and mad and angry at God. And it took moments like that evening to remind me that God is good and I can have hope that God is good. He can restore my soul. He can restore my wife. And he's far greater than I am. The second component of God's goodness is found in verse 26. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In our waiting for God, our posture should be that of expectation and prayer. To wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord is to eagerly anticipate that God is going to move, that God is going to remain faithful to us, and that God is going to prove yet again that we could and should place our hope in him. But oftentimes in waiting, we busy ourselves, don't we? How many of you love waiting at a doctor's office? Am I the only one? It is prime time for games on your phone. Let me encourage you, go to the doctor more. You will wait, or or the BMV, whatever you want. (laughs) Oftentimes in our waiting, we think it's best to busy ourselves. That God's word declares that we should wait and in that moment of waiting, we become frustrated because we are an instantaneous people in an instantaneous culture and an instantaneous society. And instead of waiting, we think we can pursue something that we can do. And what God's saying is, is stop, stop. I'm good. Wait for me. Don't busy yourself. Don't always occupy your space and mind with whatever is at hand. Pause and wait. And the last thing we see there about God's goodness is found in verse twenty-seven. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. You should always ask questions of the Bible, by the way. One of them being in this passage: What the world will that mean? That's what you should ask. If you ask it that way, it makes the answer all the more intelligent. It doesn't. That's a lie. What does it mean to bear the yoke in his youth? Simply this, it's better for you to learn suffering early on in your life so that you will be prepared for hardships that will come later. And I say that acknowledging full force that I'm relatively young and have endured finite moments of suffering. But here's the hope I find in Lamentations three twenty-seven. I find hope that I have an understanding that suffering is not relegated to a select few. Suffering is not born on the shoulders of those to whom God is displeased. And a willingness to accept hardship and testing is needed. A willingness to bear this yoke because we know it will strengthen our faith. How do we know that? Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that. Hebrews chapter 12 says, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not Discipline, if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons, but catch this in Hebrews twelve ten. but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of discipline, do you see God being a good, loving father? Or have you become embittered towards him because you don't understand what he's doing. The next component of hope is this. I can have hope that God is my sustainer. Verses 28 through 30. Let him sit alone in silence when it, the yoke, is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes, and let him be filled with insults. Here in verses 28 through 30, we see varying degrees of how you and I can bear the yoke that is given to us. The first is found in verse 28. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid upon him. By yourself, in your silence, amidst despair, God is still your sustainer. The idea here is that the easiest way to engage and handle the yoke that's placed upon you is that of drawing away to silencing your spirit and your voice to be alone alone. In your silence, amidst this despair, do you see and realize that God is still sustaining you? It's been said that it is rare to find a soul quiet enough to hear God speak. Could I challenge you this week, for those of you that are suffering, that are being crushed by a weight of burden upon your shoulders, instead of seeking answers daily, would you take a step back and seek silence? Quiet your soul before the Lord and beg him to speak. But my kids are a mess. I hate my husband. I just lost my job. I just failed a class. How in the world can I be silent? Don't you know all the problems that are going on in my life? Yes, I get it. The last thing you want to do is be silent in the midst of your pain. But hear me, withdraw and pursue the Lord in silence asking him to speak, quiet your soul, and fill yourself with the knowledge of God's word and pursue him. Will it all make sense? Probably not right away. Will you walk away with your answers? Probably not. But could God meet you in a moment of silence that he couldn't otherwise? Yes. Yes. The next aspect that we see here of God being our sustainer is found in verse 29. It says, let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. The idea here is not that you should go out and eat dirt. It never comes out great. I've seen my kids do it. It's actually pretty gross. Um, That's not the idea. The idea is of someone bowing so low, of humbling themselves so much that their mouths are to the ground, their faces are to the earth. Their response to hardship was humility and could God be sustaining you in your humility amidst pain this summer uh, I'm blessed to have an intern his name's Jonas Twitty he's 19 years old I had to check his age 19 and three quarters I think is the official age that he is 19 and three quarters years old They still count three-quarters at 19. And as we were walking through Lamentations this week, he was studying it with me and and kind of helping me through the preparation. And he made an amazing statement when he came to this portion of Lamentations 3. Jonah said this. He said, the proper response to hardship is humility. And I think he's right. I also think that a 19-year-old shouldn't be able to say that. But he did, and it was amazing. Spoke to my heart. That God sustains us. He upholds us amidst our burden. It doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, by the way. And it doesn't mean that it will be taken away. Your burden could last your life. And we need to say that. The fact that God sustains us in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our burden, doesn't mean that God takes it away. It means that he sustains you, he gives you hope to complete it. Confident expectation it doesn't mean it's taken away. And we should give God glory and praise in our humility in the midst of our pain and suffering, in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our wayward children, in the midst of upcoming surgeries, in the midst of a cancer diagnosis, in the midst of depression and despair, Turn your mind towards the Lord. Remember, that's how Jeremiah started in verse 21. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Remember what God has done, and remember that he is faithful, and every word he says will come to completion. And if you've repented and placed your faith and trust in Christ on, you're a daughter or a son of God, and you have hope that he is your sustainer. And finally, the most gut-wrenching way to bear your yoke is found in verse 30. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes. Let him be filled with insults. And this is the hardest, most painful truth, by the way, in your suffering. God sustains me in my long suffering amidst persecution. But the beautiful thing is is that if you're reading Lamentations 3.30, this should sound very familiar to you. 1 Peter 2 gives us a glimpse into Christ acting this out. First Peter two twenty three says that Christ in His long suffering He was reviled and He did not revile in return. When He suffered He did not threaten but continued in trusting Himself to Him who judges justly. And maybe for you today, that's where you are. You're in the midst of persecution. You're in the midst of heartache. You're in the midst of pain. Could it be that in the midst of your persecution, in your long suffering? you can entrust yourself to the one who judges justly because truth be told, you're an unjust judge and so am I. But we have a just judge who's pleading for our behalf. The next component of hope is simply this. I can have hope that God is full of compassion. Look at verses 31 through thirty-three. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. The final facet of our hope that we see here in Lamentations 3 is that we can have hope that God is full of compassion and he makes for us three distinct promises in these verses. The first is simply this, is that our suffering is temporary. Look at what he says in verse 31. The Lord will not cast off forever. Your suffering, your burden bearing is temporary. Even if it lasts the rest of your life. And I know that sounds oxymoronic right now because you can't comprehend going through life bearing the burden that's on your shoulders. But hear me, if you're a child of God, there is something far greater waiting for you. It doesn't give you necessary relief in the midst of your pain and suffering, but it gives you hope in the midst of your pain and suffering. He will not cast you off forever. It's temporary. It's still painful. It still hurts. And that pain often precipitates probing questions about God. God, why would my kids do this? God, what are you trying to teach me in this? Why couldn't you get my husband sick and not me? Those types of questions. But we can have hope that God is full of compassion and that the suffering we're enduring is but temporary. The next promise we see here in these verses is found in verse 32, that God does cause grief, but that is not his last word towards us. Look at what it says. Though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. God doesn't need to be rescued from his sovereignty here. We don't need to know or to have a comprehensive understanding of why God does this. That's not not our job. We need to trust in God's sovereignty. Yes, the Bible has just told us that God does cause grief. And if there was a period there, if God dropped the mic and walked off the eternal stage, then you and I would be just in saying he is mean, he is ugly, he is vindictive. That's not a God I wanna serve. But here's the beauty of Lamentations three. It doesn't end there, does it? He does cause grief, but, but he will have what? Compassion. According to the abundance of his steadfast love. The idea behind abundance, remember steadfast love is this loyal covenantal love that God has for us, not dependent on you, only dependent on him. But the idea of abundance is this overflowing This never-ceasing, never-stopping, never-giving-up type of love for you and for me as children of God. Does he cause grief? Yes. Do I trust in his sovereignty that he's going to pour out abundant compassion and love upon me? Yes. Do I need the answers every single time? No, I don't. I would have loved answers when Janelle is up in the middle of the night and can't sleep and I gotta call the ambulance because she can't move. I would love for God to have sat with me in that moment and said, hey, come here real quick. Let me just tell you why I'm doing this. You know what he didn't do? That. Why? Because I didn't need to know. Those moments pushed me to a greater understanding, greater love and affection for my Savior. In your suffering, in your hardship, in your burden. You don't need to know everything. I wish we did. But we don't. If you're a child of God, then hear me this morning. Trust in his sovereignty and understand that his heart for us isn't to cause us grief. It's to have loving compassion according to his steadfast love. And the last promise we see is found in verse 33. It says this, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. The promise is simply this: is that our pain is not God's delight. God isn't sitting up there chuckling. By the way, He's not going. <laughs> got him this time. That's not what God's doing. Our pain is not His delight, but our suffering brings us closer to Him. And there are men and there are women in the midst of suffering, hardship, persecution right now. I just want to simply make these two statements too. If those promises are true, if what we just read in Lamentations 3 is true, then could I encourage you to trust that God does have compassion, he does have an abundance of steadfast love for you, even if you're in the middle of suffering. Can I encourage you through God's word that there's something greater and that his discipline and what we're going through right now, this burden that's placed upon us, isn't God's delight. And second, could I encourage you that God has promised that he will not cast you off forever. This is not the end of your story. Affliction can be borne more easily when One knows that rejection and alienation from God as well as suffering does not last indefinitely since they are not God's ultimate purpose for his people. So this morning, you can have hope. You can have hope. You can have hope based upon your history with God. And that history should give you hope first and foremost. You can have hope that God's mercies are new every morning it is an abundance of steadfast love for you. You can have hope that God is your portion, the one that you cling to, the one that sustains. You can have hope that God is good even when it doesn't make sense. You can have hope that God is full of compassion and that pain isn't God's delight. And we don't have to rescue God from his sovereignty. So this morning, as we talk about hope, you should be asking the question, uh, where's the hope, right? Where's the hope? Hope begins with a relationship with Jesus, and it finds its fruition in a life lived for Christ and Christ alone as our portion. So what do we do now? It's been said that when we get right down to it, there are two responses to suffering, by the way to either deny God's hand in it and become self-righteous and bitter or discern God's hand in it and trust that he is making you more like himself. So if you are suffering this morning and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and if you're suffering, if there is hardship, if there is hurt, if there is pain, if you feel walled around, if you feel torn to pieces, if you don't know what happiness is, if your soul is bereft of peace, if that is you here this morning, then hear me. Would you discern God's hand in it and surround yourself with those committed to prayer with you and for you to help you and encourage you in the Lord in the midst of it, but most importantly, would you pour your heart out to the Lord in humility, bowing before him and seek him in moments of quiet despair? As believers in Christ, we have hope, we have confident expectation because we have a risen savior who has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Would you push into him? Would you seek him? Would you lean into his new morning mercies? How awesome would it be if over the next seven days, you woke up and pursued the Lord's new morning mercies through his word? How awesome would it be if you withdrew for but a moment and silenced your heart before God? You didn't answer a text, you didn't answer email, You didn't let your kids or your dog bother you. You pulled back and pursued him in silence. Would you seek him? Would you lean into these new morning mercies? Would you seek him as your portion? Would you trust that he is good and that he sustains you and is ultimately full of compassion because of his abundant, loyal, covenantal love for you and me that's not dependent on us, by the way. It's solely dependent on him. This morning, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you have a burden that's crushing you, here in a moment, I'm gonna invite you to pour your heart out to the Lord, praying with our pastors, our ministry leaders, our elders, seeking him in prayer. But if you're here this morning and you have no idea whether or not you even have a history with God, would today be the first day of your history with the Lord? Would you repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in Christ alone? Because the God that you've just seen here in Lamentations is a God that went to great lengths to redeem and reconcile you. In fact, 1 Peter tells us that we have a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and that living hope gives us sustaining power that, that living hope gives us eternal life. And only through Christ do we have access to this hope. So this morning, as we pray and as we come to a close, let me challenge you. Are you burdened? Are you suffering? Is your heart heavy within you? Is happiness something that is not characteristic of who you are? Are you bereft of peace? Do you feel torn? Would this morning be the morning that you begin to pour your heart out to the Lord and seek Him in the midst of it instead of despising Him because of it? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you that we can have hope and that the hope that we have is not dependent upon us, it's not dependent upon what we do or our sustaining power, but it is solely dependent upon you. So Father, I do pray for the men and the women here this morning that are rife with burden, that have hearts that are heavy. Lord, I ask for those children of God that are experiencing these yokes, that you, Lord, would begin to meet them they would pour their hearts out to you, that they would seek you, and that, Father, they would ultimately find their peace and hope in you. Lord, I pray for those that don't even have an inkling of who you are this morning. I ask today would be the day that they repent of their sins, that they realize you are holy and we are sinful, that you've given us Christ as our redeemer, and you've called us to repent and believe. May today be the first day of their history with you. Lord, we love you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.